Okay. Let's go back to the old favorite anyway. It's a good lesson that you've got to take some risks sometimes and not everything pays off. Sometimes things fail, but it's all right. Amen. I like to take some risks. I was sharing with those who painted our office this week. I was looking for a little bit more of a whoop of the new offices, people. Don't worry. We're only establishing a church. It's fine. Don't get excited about it. And uh, I was sharing with them some of my most costly mistakes and risks that I've taken as a youth pastor back when I was at Kerith. Uh, Once by missing a few flights um, because of what maybe it was bad leadership. I think it was a bad airline. Uh, I'm going to stand on that one. Uh, we cost the church over £7,500. And that's not even my most. In fact, you can actually double that figure when I accidentally booked too many young people into our summer camp trying to be in faith, you know, trying to go for it and say, oh, we'll get that many. It'll be absolutely fine. Didn't get anywhere near that many. Started letting people come on for free because some of them couldn't afford it. Ended up costing the church uh, £14,500. So sometimes you have to make mistakes to push things forward, but that youth ministry is still thriving and still going strong. We had over nearly, we had over hundreds of young people come into our youth ministry. So sometimes you have to take risks to push through things. All of that to help me have a better introduction than that awkward start. Okay, do you like who you're sitting next to? Have you, are you sitting next to somebody? Please, come on, let's be family. Sit next to somebody, say hi. Dad's on his own, mum's not here today. Feels so Vic's on his own road. Or you probably like your own road, don't you, Vic? You're quite happy, aren't you? Yeah. Don't go near Vic's row. He reserved that earlier. He came here 10 hours before, put some, put some scarfs out. <laughs> today is our 14th Sunday. You right there, guys? You're really spaced out. You're relaxing. It's our 40th Sunday. Now, um, my wife is on fire today. She really wanted to preach, I can see. She was going for it in, the, uh, in that moment. Uh, she was talking about the fact it's our 40th Sunday. I want to say, let's not, I don't want us to put too much authority or weight into a number, um, but please hear the symboliz- symbolism of them from the Bible. And the reason that God does things with these numbers is to show a rhythm and order to his ways. So if you're someone that likes order, and likes control. Anybody in the room like that? We're all English, so we all have it to a certain level. Uh, how many of you like that? Put your hands up. Come on, audience participation. I like order. I like things to be a certain way. I'm not like that. Neither is Emily. But we do like a tidy house. That works. Plane going over, reminding us to go to Europe. Fantastic. Thank you. Thanks for that, Jesus. We're going to go. And... Uh, If you like that, these kind of numbers, these kind of things is an illustration to you that that part of you is not just a random part. That part is of God. That God likes order. God likes rhythm. God likes things to flow. Hey. But he does it in a, in a very natural way. He, like, he creates the world with a rhythm. It has something about it. He created it in six days and then gave a day's rest. Every seventh year, you're meant to have some time to rest the land. And then after seven sevens, you're meant to have a jubilee year. And it let everyone, all debts are forgiven. How many of you would like that back? All debts are forgiven. Everyone's now fresh and clean again. He has a rhythm to his ways. And the numbers in the Bible are illustrations of that rhythm. So don't put too much weight on it. Don't just say, well, now it's 40. This means this is going to happen. It's not like that. It's not the word of God. It's just a rhythm for you. But I wanted to let you know that the, the number 40 is like as Emily preached. It represents a number of testing 
and trial. And I felt the word for us in these 40 weeks of establishing Flow Church is that word establishing. When I first started, I, there was a day when I was really struggling um, in leading this church and I was praying to God and God gave me 1 Peter 5.10 where it says, I will establish you after you've been through some suffering. I will establish you. And I really feel like these 40 weeks has been God establishing us as a community. So the number 40 means a season of testing or trying, or if I could today be artistic license and say establishing. But also it's not just that. You see number 40 is also a product of five and eight. Now these are actually important because they illustrate in the Bible as well. Five is the number of grace. And eight is the number of new beginnings. So what it's saying is you will go through a season of trial and suffering under the grace of God, because of the grace of God. How many of you love the fact that God allows us to go into suffering? It's the part of the Bible we don't always like to read. But suffering produces something in us. I will put you through a season of trial and suffering in order, by under my grace, to produce something new. So I believe we have had something under the grace of God over these 40 weeks. And then now I believe we are an established church. I feel established. I think it's funny that actually this is the time when we got our offices this week. Because it's made me feel a little bit more grown up. Like I look young enough as it is. I am actually 30 years old. I know I don't look it. And I, I sometimes look in the mirror and say, are you sure you're 30? You look too young. I know I have a baby face, and so, you know, sometimes I liked it when we had something that made me feel grown up, and I just sort of said, you know, this is an exciting thing for us to have, and I feel like there's a new establishment. We are now here as a church. We are present. Are you excited about that? Yeah, a little bit? By the way, it's also why, um, on average, that women are pregnant for 40 weeks. It's that whole idea again. You see, the world is in the imagery and the symbolism and the order of God. There is these things. God creates this order. I believe the Lord has established us. If you want some examples, just to make sure I'm not making it up as a random person, Jesus, as Emily said, went into the wilderness for 40 days. And he went there as a, seat, a time of t trial and testing in order to produce a new ministry. When he came out there is when Jesus started his ministry. If you're interested, the city of Nineveh where Jonah went, everyone remember that story? Yeah, uh, they had 40 days where they were allowed to repent. And in fact, they fasted as a nation. They fasted so much that no animal was allowed to eat. Imagine telling your cat, we're, we're fasting. The pastor said to fast, so we're fasting. No, no food for you. It would bring back some mice, I'm sure. It went through that season, but then they, they went through it and it produced a new nation in them. That's what happened. There's also Moses. Moses ended up on the Mount Sinai to receive the law of the Lord. Do you know he was actually up there 40 days? Chilling on top of a mountain for 40 days. I do not know what he ate or he drank. But he chilled in the presence of the Lord for 40 days. Now, seriously, Dad, I know you're joking about my long sermons. But try being in the presence of the Lord for 40 days. When was the last time we did that? Next year. Get it in your diary. We're going to do it. And he did that in order to come back down and bring the law, a new season for the Israelites. You've been in slavery, but now there's something new for you. Also, Jesus, when he rose from the dead, he spent 40 days on earth before he ascended to heaven. He was here trying his best to resolve conflicts, 
resolve situations with his disciples, talk to them all, re-get them fired up again, establish them again for something new to begin, which was the church, which you are now still a part of. Anybody else finding this interesting? I found it interesting. And I believe we are called into this season, we have established, and I believe we're now going to step into something new. But the way I want to give you some tips today, today's going to be very practical. So if you are that way inclined, then that's going to be good for you today. It's not going to, I may yell a little bit, you know, but I'm going to try my best. That's why I wore one of those. I didn't think I'd yell as much if I wore one of those, but this came to me. <laughs> I didn't choose it. It's just something about holding this thing just gets me so excited, which is why every so often I try and wear that to calm myself down. I want to give you some tips. If you are somebody who struggles in those kind of seasons to keep consistent in God, you that person? Struggle in a season of testing, a season of establishment. If you struggle to keep consistent, in fact, maybe you just struggle consistent wise altogether. Maybe you are like, I like doing that, and then tomorrow I like doing that. And you switch and you turn and you flip around and you love church, and then suddenly you miss it for four weeks, you know. Or if you're someone like that, or maybe if you are a new believer and you've been maybe coming to this church or you're new to the faith, I want to give you some tips today to help you with that. And actually, maybe there's some people in the room today, your faith has been reignited recently. Do you have that? Do you go through those dips where your faith seems to be alive, and then you're like, where is my faith gone? We used to talk about this in youth ministry, and we used to think it was a teenage thing, but I'm realizing teenagers and adults are really just the same. Teenagers are just not very good at hiding stuff. Do you want to say that again? I'll say that again. Teenagers are not good at hiding stuff. They feel something, you see it. That's why it's easy to be a youth pastor. I, I could always tell them who they fancied, and they're like, how did you know? And I'm like, mate, it's so obvious. It's not even funny. They used to find it so hilarious. They used to say, I know everything. It's because I just watched them, and then they would show you. Adults, we're better at hiding. We've learned to wear the masks. So with youth, what would happen is we would get them all fired up for the summer. They'd go on a summer event. They'd be so pumped for Jesus. And then when, you know, when it comes back, then suddenly they go back to church, and things start to dip again. We used to say that, and that, that was just a teenage thing. But I'm realizing I think it's an adult thing. In fact, I think it's just a human thing. Are you someone like that? Peaks and troughs, isn't that the saying? I think we need to get better at just being a bit more consistent. And if that's someone like you, I've got some, I've got some points and some tips for you today. And let's get ourselves into it because I'm realizing time is moving on. Is that, is that good? Are you up for listening to that? I'm going to be very practical today. I hope it really helps you. I'm going to say some stuff that you probably already know. But the truth is, I don't really tell you any new stuff anyway. I'm just reminding you of stuff you already know generally. So I'm going to remind you of stuff you already know, but you need to hear that. Is that okay? You are self-aware enough to realize that actually every so often you need to hear it again. Okay. You see, I want us to look at the person of Noah today. So let's get out of our Bibles. Uh, let's go to Genesis 6. It will be on the screen. But I would please encourage you. We're going to think about once we get better storage bring in a box of Bibles so that you guys can grab one to have one for yourself. But please, if you can, try and bring a Bible with you just to get used to opening it. Yeah? I heard a scary statistic yesterday that in England, I'm trying to remember the statistic now, they did a, oh, don't worry, they did a survey about how, how often people read their Bible and it's scary. 12% of people who are committed Christians read their Bible once a week. 12% of committed Christians. We need to read it every hour, okay? If we check our phone every hour, we need to check the Bible once an hour. 
Okay, I'm going to read to you from Genesis 6, verse 9, and I'm going to read about Noah and the flood. Do you remember the story? Yeah, cool. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. And Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Japheth. Am I saying that right, Jacob? Absolutely right. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all the flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end to all flesh. This is a big moment. Please, it's not just like our world. The the world was very mixed up back then. You can read about it in this section before. For the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make for yourself, Noah, an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you are to make it. The length of the ark should be 300 cubits, its breadth 50 cubits, and its height 30 cubits. Make a roof for the ark and finish it a cubit above, and set the door of the ark in its side. Make it with lower, second, and third decks. For behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die, but I will establish my covenant with you. And you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, and your wife, and your sons' wives with you. I'm going to carry on going just a few more verses. And of every living thing of flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female, of the birds according to their kinds, of the animals according to their kinds. Of every creeping thing upon the ground, yes, spiders made it in according to its own kind. Two of every sort shall come into it, and you are to keep them alive. Also take with you every sort of food that is eaten and store it up. It shall serve as food for you and for them. Noah did this. He did all that God commanded. Can I get an amen for the Bible? Amen. Please understand how crazy this task is from God to Noah. Have you ever really thought about it? If God said to you, I want you to build an ark, not with a group of people, you, Paul might be all right, the rest of us would struggle. We, this is a huge boat, people. Huge boat. And he is just told, build an ark because I'm about to do something on the earth that is yet to be seen. So I need you to build it having no vision for what it's going to look like, no team or resources around you. I'm just asking you to crack on and do what I've told you to do. That is all you're going to get from me. Here's the specifics. Now go. And it's not, it's not super spiritual, is it? It's not hanging out in the presence of the Lord on the top of the mountain for 40 days. That would actually sound a lot nicer. No, it's build me a boat. Okay, let, let, me, let, me make it, let me help you understand how extreme I think this moment is. Did you know, we don't know how long Noah built the ark for. I thought it was 40 years, which I thought matched really well with our 40th Sunday. But it wasn't. In fact, we don't know. You can figure out some dates out, so you can get an estimate according to when he was living and when he had sons. So let me give you how long they reckon Noah was building this ark for. 50 to 80 years. Every morning, what are you doing today? I'm building the ark. Can you come out this weekend? I'm, I'm building the ark. 
What are you doing next week? Mate, I'm build- are you going on holiday this year? No, I'm building the ark. 50 to 80 years doing something. And at no point is there evidence in the Bible that a drop of rain fell down. Have you seen the film Evan Almighty? It's a great illustration. He gets so fed up. He's like, God, can you just give me a bit of rain? And then the sprinklers of his garden hit him in the face. Noah had no evidence of fruit at any point for 50 to 80 years. Now, I don't mind waiting for our church to expand and grow, but I'm not kidding. If I was still 50 years on, I'd be 80. If I was 80 and we still had not grown, I may be starting to question. Would you? Okay, let let me help you understand even more how extreme I think this moment is. Did you know, I'm getting a bit loose with the Bible here, so stay with me. If you read Genesis 2, it tells us that up to this point, the way the earth was watered was that mist would rise from the ground. It did not fall from the sky. That's what we know from that bit. And then also we know in Hebrews 11, Noah is actually honored as a man of faith, not because he built the ark, because he did something without knowing what was coming. He said he built something for the unseen. So what some theologians have questioned, I'm not saying this is biblical fact, but I thought it was interesting, so I'm sharing it with you. That some theologians have questioned that actually it's possible that there was actually no rain on the earth until that moment when Noah saw the first drop for the flood. So when God said, I'm going to make it rain upon the earth, Noah had no concept or idea of what that looked like. If God said to you, Aaron, I'm going to make it rain, you'd understand that you've seen it before. There is actually evidence that says Noah never saw it before. He was doing something very practical, very mundane, very monotonous, extremely hard for 50 to 80 years. And he was doing it because God said something was going to happen that he had no idea or no concept what at all it could look like. I think that's fascinating. I think that's faith. That, that's, that's more like faith to me. There was no, there's no investors to go to. No money to collect to buy machines. In fact, the machines weren't invented. I do not. I, I have no idea how he even got some of the beams, which were surely super heavy, up onto the right place. His team was his family. There was no one to pay to come and do it. No pay a man parker, Dad. We are the pay a man parkers in our family. We never do any job in our house. We simply pay a man. It's funny, as a joke, guys. You can laugh at church. It's okay. <laughs> there was no conference to go to. No ark building conference. No example to see. No tips of the trade. No one that had made the mistakes before. This was all brand new information to Noah. And somehow this man, on no evidence of any fruit, managed to stay faithful for 50 to 80 years of his life. Could you and I do that? Just stay consistent. And and I love it. It's not even spectacular. He's just carving wood every day. If someone walked past, they just think, oh, he's just a normal guy. In fact, I'm sure there's people that came up and questioned me. Why are you building a boat? Rain's coming. What's, What's rain? 
What's a boat? What's an ark? I find it fascinating. My friends, I think we would struggle. Can I be honest? I would struggle. I think I have pretty good endurance. I think I have pretty good perseverance. I'm happy to stick with something. I built a youth ministry for 10 years. I don't mind. However, I did see fruit very fast. Makes it more exciting. I'm happy to stick with this church. I don't mind the numbers are a bit lower today. We sent a team out, so I don't mind. And also where the sun's out. Normally that means people don't come to church as often, but that's okay. It's just the way it is. I don't mind because I'm here for long term. I don't mind, but I like to see every so often a little bit of evidence that I'm doing the right thing. How many of you like that? In fact, very often, as soon as we make a decision and we know God told us, we need instant proof that we made the right decision. Because we have a fear that we make wrong decisions, don't we? Which I love. If you obey God, you've not made the wrong decision, no matter what the result is. No matter what it looks like. If I'm honest, I see in our world today, we are not good at this. I see marriages. Oh, man, I pray for marriages. We are going to have to do some series on marriage, and we're going to have to really lift it up in the church. Because I see marriages breaking down. I see men and women after so many years going, we just don't love each other anymore. I've fallen out of love. I'm ending it. This is done. A mistake happens and that's it. It ends. Things seem to, we can't seem to hold on and just stay true and faithful to the right thing anymore. The millennial generation are coming through. One of their names is Flaky. Because they struggle just to stick at something. In fact, they reckon that, what was the statistic I heard the other day? They reckon millennials will have 15 career careers in their life, which is double the average now. I know some of you these, in this area, you work with millennials. You work with younger generation. Actually, you see how they struggle just to stay true, get up on time, and do the right thing day in, day out. I don't know why. I feel like there's something in my dad's generation that you need to pass on to us. There's something about my dad. My dad has worked for DHL for how long? 40. He's nearly hit 50 years. You're nearly like Noah, Dad. Building, you've sent many a package. But my dad has woken up at 5.30 every day of those working days. And he has his routine. And I remember there's a chair in his bedroom that he sits on where he spends 10 minutes of the day before he starts giving thanks and focus to God. It may seem so insignificant, but doing it consistently produced something. And I believe I'm riding on the benefit of his prayer. I believe this church is riding on the benefit. I believe I knew Jesus from a very, in fact, I've never known a day where I have not known Jesus. Why? Because my dad every evening would come and sit with me in bed and pray for me. So I've always had the privilege of knowing Jesus. It may seem mundane to you, but to me it seems spectacular. Let me tell you, Noah building that ark would have looked very mundane until it started to rain. Let me ask you, what would happen if Noah lost consistency? What happens if he got bored? What happens if he thought, you know, I don't like boats anymore, I'm going to try and build a plane? What happens if he got lazy? I've been building for five years, I can take a break. I can take five years off. If there was even one hole in the ark, the whole thing would have been destroyed. We need a consistency in our faith. I'm aware of time, so I'm going to really try and move us on, but I'm really enjoying sharing this information with you. I hope it is helping you. I think we're struggling, and I think we need to get better at doing some things consistently. So what I want to give you is I want to give you some fundamentals in your faith, which I want you to build consistently into your life. These are not the things that you amount to. These are the very basic things that keep your faith running. 
These are things that you do no matter how you feel. No matter what's going on, you just do them because this is just how it is. You do these basic fundamentals and your faith, I promise you, will, will appear and will become more consistent. Your faith will dip less. Trust me, you can get to a place, and I feel like I am at that place in my life, where honestly I wake up and I think about Jesus first and foremost almost every day. I'm being serious. I'm not trying to boast. I'm just trying to tell you. There is a time you can get to where Jesus is just on your heart and mind all the time. Some of you may already be with me in that journey. Let me give you three things I think I noticed in Noah that I want to give to you. Three things I want you to be consistent about. Personal prayer. Okay, boring. You've heard that before, haven't you? Personal prayer. Please do not switch off. Please, I beg you, if you're going to listen to any five minutes of my message today, please make it this five minutes. Personal prayer. The Bible starts in Genesis 6. Noah walked with God. You must walk with God. You, 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 you must walk with God. No one can walk with God for you. People used to say to me, Liam, you're only a Christian because your dad made you a Christian. No, dad introduced me to Jesus, but I have to walk with him. Dad cannot walk with him for me. I have to walk with him. You must decide in your life to have a personal, one-on-one, only me and him talking, door is locked, we're just by ourselves, relationship with Jesus. If you do not have that in your life, do not do anything else until it's done. I mean it. Do not eat, do not sleep this evening until you know you have begun a relationship with Jesus Christ. It is absolutely essential to the Christian walk. Nothing else can happen if you are not connected to God. The Bible says, if you do not remain in me, you will bear no fruit. Nothing will come of you. Stay close to him, please. I beg you, hold on to him. Your job in your life is very simple. Stop worrying about all the other stuff and worry about one thing. Am I close to Christ? If you are close to Christ and you remain in him as he remains in you, you will bear much fruit without even trying. Please, and I'm serious, I am very deadly serious, do not go to work tomorrow if you do not get it sorted tonight. Call in and say, I'm really sorry, I have to take a day off. Don't lie, I'm not into lying, I'm serious about that. Don't say up and sick, you know, when you're not sick. Just say, I'm sorry, I cannot come in today. And if they fire you because of it, you will still bear fruit. I'm, I'm just trying to be that serious with you. Get a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It is absolutely essential to everything in our life. If you can have a one-on-one relationship with Jesus Christ, your life will be a lot more consistent. If you stop relying on other people's faith and their fire to keep you warm, you'll suddenly find your temperature is a lot better constantly. Yeah? I'll move on. Was that helpful? Or have you heard it all before and it's easy? Next one. I want you to be planted. I want you just to be available. I love about Noah, he must have been in the same place for that long. I'm sure he didn't drag the boat around to different parts of the country and say, I'm going to be here for a while now. He stayed in one place for a long time. Now, this is maybe a bit of a shameless plug for attending church, but I don't really mind, if I'm honest, because planting yourself in church is going to be the most flourishing thing for your life. There is something about planting yourself somewhere and saying, I'm going to be here and this is now a center for me that actually helps you stay focused and stay consistent. Because even when you're struggling, you can actually then fall on somebody else. 
Let me put it, you need to plant roots deep. You need a season maybe where it's just the winter season and there's not much going on up here, but it's because you're digging down deep. Because trust me, you need a winter season to go deep because in the spring, the wind's going to come. And if you do not get down deep, the wind will simply knock you over. You need to be planted. Trees plant themselves. I am here now. Trees plant themselves regardless of what happens around them. Have you noticed? If, if that tree plants itself there and then they build loads of things they don't like around it, it does not matter to that tree. I'm here. I'm planted. If that tree is, moves too much or is trying to do too many different things, it will not get the nutrients and nourishment it needs. There is something about church. There is something about the body and the, the body of Christ that brings nutrients to your life. Am I making sense with that one? And do you know, you've got, to, you've got to be fully planted. And there's something about a tree. You can ask Paul. He removes them for a living. Once a tree's planted, it's very hard to move. Am I right, Paul? In fact, you have huge machines to pull stumps and roots out. You can't, you can't do it shallowly just in case. You can't do it shallow just in case. Is this helping somebody? Okay, let me give it to you like this. I married Emily forsaking all others. I married Emily in sickness and in health, for richer and for... No matter what circumstances me and Emily come against, no matter how Emily... Uh, not, no, I won't say Emily might go through really hard things in her life. She may change as a person in her life. Things may go really bad, who knows, but it does not matter. I've planted myself. I'm in it. We are together. There is no out. This is not a contract based on conditions. It's a covenant. We're too afraid to make covenant plants and say, I'm going to just be here regardless of what happens. I would like to think that you guys would feel so called by God for this vision of Europe that even if Emily and I slipped up and we became awful leaders and fell into sin and we had to leave, you'd still say, well, God said something. It's not about Liam. It's about Jesus. We've got to crack on and do what God's asked us to do because I want you to be just as planted as I am. Now, please, it doesn't have to be this church. It doesn't. I'm not trying to build, I'm trying to build Flow Church, but I'm not trying to just build the name of Flow. I'm trying to build the church. So if you need to go somewhere else, go somewhere But please plant. Actually attend. I, it blows my mind that people see church on a Sunday as an option. Can I get real? It does blow my mind. I'm, I'm just... Because for me, it's a non, okay, yeah, Liam, Liam, you're paid to be here, rah, rah, rah. It's a non-negotiable. The only way I can't be is if I have to physically be somewhere else. Because people say, well, I woke up, I felt a bit sick today. I'm like, well, go to the house of the Lord. Where do you find healing? Well, I just didn't really feel like it today. Exactly, that's the reason to come. But what happens is we get all the people who are like feeling good already. I feel all right, I'll come to church. Well, good, you, you, you don't necessarily need it as much. Bring somebody else who needs it. I'm probably preaching to the choir today, I realize that, but you're probably feeling really smug now, like, yeah, I was there on that day when he spoke about attendance, that's good. But I'm serious. It shouldn't be like, you know, when Pastor K is coming next week, it shouldn't be, okay, which one should I go to, Friday or Sunday? It should be like, I'm there. Unless physically I have to be somewhere else, which I get, life is life. Family, build family on weekends, I get it, I get it. But if you don't have to be physically somewhere else, why would you not be there? 
Because that's where you'll get every nutrient that you need, what you think you need to be at home for. But I just need to rest myself. Exactly. Where do you find true rest? In the presence of the Lord. Please attend. Please attend. Just attend. Be planted. Come to the prayer meetings. Come to the prayer meetings. Can we have a church that has more people in its prayer meeting than on a Sunday? Please. I would love that. Is this good? Do you want to? <laughs> oh, it's going to lighten up, I promise. Is that the time? Oh, okay. Giving. You want to be consistent in your life. Pray, stay planted, and look to give. Give and you shall. If you don't give, you actually don't receive. That's a challenge, isn't it? That could be as simple as attending. I give of myself for this two hours, hour and a half, whatever. You then receive. Okay, let me make the point from Noah's side because I think this is fascinating. Did you hear that he built the ark with what type of wood? Gopher wood. Have you ever seen a gopher tree? No. Do you know why you haven't seen a gopher tree? Do you want to say it louder? Mel, there is actually evidence in the Bible that suggests, because we've looked at trees, they've studied trees, theologians have tried to figure out what kind of tree a gopher tree is, and actually they reckon that there's no tree now that exists that is the same. Therefore, the gopher tree died in the flood. You don't see gopher trees because they went with the flood. They were the cost to save humanity. They were the sacrifice. He built the ark out of gopher wood. It cost gopher wood for mankind to continue forward. Now, I'm assuming because of the Bible, we can, it hints to us that actually Noah already knew what this was because he didn't ask about it. So he clearly knew it. I would suggest, and I'd make the, the case today, that he was probably surrounded by it. He went and made gopher wood. All oh, right, okay, that's all of these trees. Great, fantastic. That's easy. And then he chopped them all down. And he paid in gopher wood for humanity. Breakthroughs in the kingdom of God cost. They cost. Sometimes that cost is a very practical cost. Wood. Money. Bricks. Mortar. Keyboard. Drum set. Signs. It just costs but sometimes these things are deeper. Sometimes these things are time. We need to pray. God's called us to a season of prayer maybe. And you've got to say, I'm going to dig in and pray. It's going to cost me my time. Maybe the cost is of yourself and it always really is of yourself. Remember, giving is never actually easy. It always costs of you. If giving is easy to you, you're not giving. God doesn't call us to give of the access left. He doesn't wait for you to finish. This my, my brother used to do this so much. Me, I, have two older, I have two older brothers. We used to go to McDonald's. My middle brother is a slow eater, and he never finishes the meal. So me and my other brother would be at McDonald's, and we would say to him, can we eat your chips because we know you're not going to eat them. And he'd say, no, I might eat them, so I'm going to have them. And then we would say, but if you leave them to the end, they're going to get 
cold. And then McDonald's chips are awful when they're cold. So I want to eat them now while they're warm because I know that you're not going to eat them. And what would happen is he would not eat them. And then me and my brother would get annoyed at him. I don't even know what my point was anymore. I don't give when it's easy, when I'm sure that I'm covered. I, 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 was, I was joking, but thank you. I appreciate it. I don't give from excess. I don't give when I'm secure and I'm full up. I give sacrificially. I give of the meat. I give first. I give first and best. That's what the Bible tells us to do. So not just like once the end of the month's happened and I'm now sorted and I'm okay, I'll now give the rest. No, no, no. First and foremost, I give as much as I can and I feel like I need to to God and then I live off the rest. That's giving. Noah gave off Go forward. Church, there are going to come seasons, and I know some of us don't like talking about it, but I'm afraid we have to, because there are going to come seasons when God calls us to a breakthrough, and that breakthrough will only come when we all get out our wallets. It's just simple. Sometimes it's a very practical thing. But giving of you individually, every day in your life, regularly in your life, I promise you, will build a consistent faith in you. You will find as soon as you give and you then need God to provide for you, Suddenly, you're praying a bit more. How many of you know it's easy to pray when you're in need? So if you keep giving, you keep relying on God, then God keeps providing because trust me, he provides. And he'll keep providing for you all your needs, and actually then you'll learn to love him more because he's providing for you, and then you'll see his provision, and then you'll give more, and then the need, and the cycle will build and build and build, and your faith will grow and grow and grow, and suddenly you'll be giving away larger sums of money than you ever thought you'd give away. Look for areas to give in your life. I do want to point out too, there's two people in our church that have come up to me and they are in need of a car. And they, they personally can't afford one by themselves. So I'm just going to say that. And if you feel like that's something you would like to say, you know what, to test my faith, to push me, I'm going to help out in that. Maybe you have a spare car. Come speak to me at the end. All right? That's what I'm going to say about that. Those are the three. Personal prayer, planting yourself, giving. Has that bored you? Are you going to do something about it? Get those three consistently in your life as a basic level for you. That's just who you are. That's just what you do. Then I promise, watch your faith grow and remain consistent throughout the years. Even in the winter seasons, do it. And I promise you, you'll realize that your faith is staying strong. Are you with me on that? Okay, let me take maybe 10 minutes. Can I give you three pointers of how to keep up energy while you're doing it? Yeah? Because how many of you know sometimes just doing the mundane thing regularly and consistently is really boring? How many of you, I'm sure Noah got to a place where he was sick of the sight of gopher wood. And I'm sure he got calluses on his hand and he thought, this is just hurting me now. I'm not enjoying this. I'm sure he got to that place where it was just boring for him. And if it's okay, I just want to give you three. And I'll be quick to give you three things to help you keep the faith and freshness alive about it. This is why we changed this Sunday. To keep it fresh. I want you to keep your faith fresh. So point number one, do the same thing, but do it differently. When you are in a moment when you feel like you're getting low and the faith is dropping, most people, what I find is they start to think that the problem is around them, not within them. Yep. And so they think, well, all I need to do is change what's around me. 
I'm going to move to a new place. I'm going to get a new job. I'm going to move church. I'm just going to move. This is where planting is really essential. But can I tell you, you don't need the external to change. Maybe you just need to change the way that you're going about doing it. Do the same thing but differently. Are you struggling and getting bored at your job? You don't necessarily need a new job. Maybe just change your route to work. Change what you have for lunch. Change the way you show up. Change your outfits. Change your haircut. Just mix things up a little bit. Keep yourself fresh. Someone once said to me, variety is the spice of life. I don't need a new wife when things get hard in our marriage. This helps make my point. We don't, I don't need a new wife when things are going hard. I just need maybe to freshen the marriage up. Do something, stay to the same woman, but do something different. Me and Emily recently, we decided that we're, we're to be more affectionate when we have a day that I work and Emily doesn't. That happens every week for us. That uh, we have to then, if you're working, you have to do something for the other person. You have to write a note, buy something, or do something in the house just to show that you love them and be affectionate. Why? Just to keep it fresh. Can I even go there this morning and talk about sex? Why do you think there's so many positions for it? I've said it. I said it this morning. Sometimes it's not that we need to do something different. Just need to, not to do something completely different. Just mix it up. Keep it fresh. Keep date nights fresh. Keep how you come to church fresh. Change seats once in a while, people. I'm talking to myself here. I love that front little corner. I need to change up. Maybe I'll start at the back one time. Change teams. Maybe you've served in the same team for so many years. Swap teams. Join the worship team. Join the build'em team. Just mix it up. Keep it fresh. Bring, tell you what, a br- brilliant way to make you feel pumped about going to church. Bring a friend. Suddenly you care a lot about everything at church. You're like, they're not normally like this. The worship's normally different. He doesn't normally talk about sex in a sermon. Suddenly you care a lot. Suddenly your energy levels go back up for the what's and the passion about it. Even though you cannot see what's going to happen at the end, somehow your energy comes back up because you are connected to somebody else. Why don't you meet somebody new? Invite somebody different. Invite someone that doesn't even look or act or even, I don't know, any relation to you in any way. Why do you invite them around? If you're older, invite the younger. Just mix it up. Keep it fresh. That's one way to keep it fresh. Next, dream of the impossible. Do not look for the significant in the future, but look for the supernatural today. So many of us get bored in our lives, in our mundane, because we simply think that the good thing is over there. It's in tomorrow. When actually God is saying, I could be supernatural today. And if you look for God to do something incredible today, then actually you'll find that you really enjoy today. Alice in Wonderland is a favorite quote of mine. She says, I I make it a practice to dream of six impossible things before breakfast. And the Mad Hatter returns and says, what a most excellent practice. It keeps your faith alive. Maybe your job is not boring because it's boring. Maybe because you've lost the supernatural touch in your work. Why don't the next time your company or your job or whatever has a problem, why don't you stand up and say, I'm going to pray for a breakthrough? Do you know there is a lady that leads a church in Windsor that I found out works for the CIA? And she works for the CIA as a prophet. 
When they are missing children, they call her and she prays and God tells them and she calls them back and tells them. And it's worked many times where she has given them the exact dress that they are. Maybe you just need to spice up work with supernatural. Maybe on your route to work, maybe stop thinking about what traffic am I going to get in, but think, what could God do with me while I'm in the car? What could, could God release the gift of tongues in me while I'm stuck in a traffic jam? Could maybe even my presence as a car impact my neighbors around me? Start to think about life and dream of the impossible. Is that okay? Good, I'm doing right. Lastly, I want you to give thanks. Noah may have got extremely bored. I'm sure he hurt himself many a time. I'm sure he broke bones, cut himself many a time, and, but he kept on going, and he did as God commanded. Noah may have been tired, may have been ridiculed, may have been ostracized by his, the people around at that time, but at least Noah got on the boat. Give thanks. But Liam, I can't bother to go to church every day, every week. I can't bother to make sure I pray every day. I get tired when I have to read my Bible. I find it so hard. Well, at least you get to go to heaven. Give thanks. Give thanks. Giving thanks to God will suddenly erupt in you an energy to keep pushing forward. Because I don't know about you, I'd rather be in the monotonous boring of trying to build church for 50 to 80 years, but make it into heaven, than do whatever I want on this earth, but not make it in. We should be thankful. We should come to church just because we're so thankful. I should open my Bible just because I'm so thankful that I, I actually have one. How many people in the world don't even have one? They're saying right now in China, they're memorizing the Bible because they're getting arrested and the Bibles are getting burned. So they have to memorize it. All you have to do is read it. We don't have to memorize it. I would suggest memorizing it. But how good is that? I should be thankful that I get to, I should be thankful that at least I have a church that can mix things up and we can stand there and there's so many good singers singing. There's not there's not just one, there's plenty, there's so much talent, so much joy. That we should just be thankful that we baptize some people this year. Even if we just baptize one, that should keep us going for another year to say, well, at least we did something. Give thanks for your life. Struggling in your marriage, maybe give thanks. Tell your husband, tell your wife, here's why I'm thankful for you. And suddenly you'll find that you really do love them. You just need to give some more thanks. So those are my three things to do to keep you consistent. Three things to spice it up for you, to keep you fresh. And then lastly, as I want to finish today, and Maria, you can come play for us. And then we're about to do communion together. Is I want you to remember... Noah did this for the unseen. Can you give me two more minutes? Noah did this for the unseen. He did not know what the flood looked like. In fact, the Bible tells us that water actually erupted from the ground. Did you know that? See, we didn't even really know what it looked like. The water it just burst out of the ground and then rain fell from the heavens. He didn't know what it was going to look like. My friends, I, I'm being real with you. I know the first three years of our church. That's what I know. I know the strategy and the plan for the first three years. I have no idea what we're supposed to do in Europe after that. I have no idea. But I'm not in charge. 
I'm just a shepherd. All right? I'm not in charge. I'm not the good shepherd. I'm just a shepherd. There's one above me. There's a chief amongst us. I don't know what it's going to look like. But I know that it's going to be of God. And I know it's going to be spectacular. And maybe it's going to be a hard journey getting there, but it's of God. Why do I know? It's because God told me. And I know it's of God because I don't even really want to do it. I don't like traveling. I get travel sick. Serious. I've been I've thrown up on a plane so many times. And every time I get on a plane, I'm like, God, why do you keep calling me into other countries? But if God said it, you've got to do it. Simple. Noah did it. He did all that God commanded. Because of that, he saw a breakthrough. You and I must do what God has asked us to do. And as we do that, we will see a breakthrough. Take a moment. Close your eyes, just breathe. Rest. Where do you feel like you're lacking some consistency? Remember, an angel didn't come down to help Noah when he got a little bit inconsistent. God just expected Noah to do as he's told. So where are you lacking consistency that maybe you need to pick it up again? Pick up the pace. Get back on top. What can you do in your life just to freshen that up if you feel like you're in that? After driving to work for so many years, what are you going to do differently tomorrow? Just to freshen it up, to keep the energy levels high as you're trying to build and do what God has asked you to do. What are you going to do with your family that's maybe a little bit different? Have you been on the same family holiday every year? Maybe this year you need to freshen it up to give the family new adventures, to give it something fresh into it so you can continue to build the family that God has called you to build. Maybe you're praying for something and you've yet to see breakthrough in it. What are you going to do now just to keep the energy up as you have to pray and pray and pray? It took Abraham 25 years to receive a promise. Maybe yours will take 26, but are you willing to dig in for it? Or will you give up on it? stay faithful to you, Jesus. I will do as you commanded. If one person turns up next week, I'm still going to build Flow Church, and I'm still going to send them to Europe. If 10,000 turn up next week, I'm not going to change under popular demand. I'm not going to change your gospel. I'm not going to change the vision. If everyone says, we, well, we need to go to India, and I'm going to say, no, Jesus. If Jesus has called us to Europe, 